Thank you guys so much. Maybe seated. Amen. Today I want to begin a, a series, and um, and I think it's fitting at the beginning of the year to kick off uh, our sermon series or a series or um, looking at the new year and and just on our relationship with the Lord, our devotions. I want to spend a few weeks just talking about daily devotions with the Lord. Um, two years ago, actually it was two years ago, January, um, we did a series called Fuel Series. Oh, so the Fuel Series, and it was talking about our friendship with God, keeping the fire burning in our lives, and um, um, praying in secret to our Father, and just how our relationship and prayer is with the Lord. And so I really feel that it's necessary to talk about our daily walk with the Lord and the power of daily devotion. So I want to just um, kind of really start the series today of called Encounter, um, the power of daily devotions in our lives. So the power of daily devotions, Encounter, amen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, we're picking up a story. Um, of course, the tremendous man of faith, as Hebrew calls uh, Moses, and puts him in the hall of faith. Uh, and he's one of the great uh, cloud of witnesses that are surrounding the church, cheering us on, amen, today, and, and that is Moses, and um, just a backstory, you know, and not spend a lot of time on this, and that is, um, you know, we open up in Exodus that uh, children of Israel were overtaken and overcome by the Egyptians, and then 400 years later, they were still in bondage to the Egyptians, and um, round about the, uh, that time, um, the Lord had, uh, or things had begun to happen, and the, the, the leader of Pharaoh had got wind that the, Egypt, or the uh, children of Israel started talking about, hey, there's a deliverer that's promised, that's coming. There's a deliverer that's going to deliver us out of bondage. And so the leader of Egypt, uh, the Pharaoh at the time, heard, got wind of it, and he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do to solve that problem. I'm just going to kill all the males, and we're going to kill all the uh, firstborn males and, and all the young children. We're just going to slaughter them and, and, and just kill them, and that'll, that'll do with that, any hopes of any deliverer, we'll dash those hopes so that you can still continue to make our pyramids and temples and things like that. But how many know God's plan will never be denied? Amen. And God, when he has a plan, he's gonna, it's going to happen. And so as we pick up the story, um, as Moses, who was rescued with, by his sister, um, put in a basket and put in the Nile and then uh, rescued really out of the water by one of Pharaoh's daughters and, um, and, and raised in the house of Pharaoh and became a mighty, uh, really kind of the Pharaoh's house. And knowing that something was different, knowing that... Um, you know, that, that there was just something different there. I believe that, um, you know, sometimes, how many know it's hard to read the Exodus account without going back to the Cecil B. DeMille, you know, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments thing. So I'm really hard, I'm trying hard not to do that today. Amen. Dun, 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 dun. You know, we're trying, not, we're trying to do that. Uh, we'll save that for Easter. But, you know, and, and that's really kind of a good picture of what happened. And then, so, you know, he, he uh, commits murder, and he murders an Egyptian, and he flees, and he goes into the wilderness. And the Bible says that he um, began to uh, make a home there, and he became a shepherd there. And uh, long story short, he, he uh, one, one day is coming to the, the, the mount uh, of, uh, the Bible calls it the Mount of Herod, but it was Mount uh, Sinai. And many people believe that at that time, that, that's the ha that was the mountain of the Lord. That's where God lived or reigned, or you could go and worship there. And that was called the mountain of the Lord at that time. And so um, you know, we pick up the account in Exodus 3, where the Bible says that Moses went up to that mountain, and, and God called Moses and had a tremendous encounter with the Lord. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 3. 
The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in, the flame, in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside, and I will see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, always significant when the Lord says your name twice. And he said, here am I. And the Lord told him, said, draw near to me, come closer, put off the shoes from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I can't help but say today and, and really see this story and also the whole really the storyline of the Bible, the entire Bible and Christian faith, and just not say in this that, and understand that God wants to have an encounter with you. God wants to have an encounter with us, a daily encounter with you. How many believe that with all your heart? How many have already said, I've had an encounter with God Almighty? And yeah, come on, I didn't just come to church because, you know, well, you know, someone told me to or I'm trying to fulfill a religious obligation. I literally had an encounter with the living God. And I believe that God wants to have an encounter with you today. God wants you to come into this place where you have an encounter with him. Amen. A daily encounter with the Lord. Amen. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I want an encounter with the Lord. Amen. I'm ready for that. Amen. But in this daily encounter with the Lord, we see that God begins to show us some things and do some things, but we see three things. We see divine purpose that's revealed. We see divine communication or connection, and then we see divine encounter. Like, wow, this is like God meeting with us. And in this encounter, there's this meeting with God. There's this infusion from God. There's this uh, exchange that God and man have in this encounter with God Almighty. And God wants to have an encounter with us every single day. Day. How many believe that? I believe that. God wants us to have an encounter with us every single day. Amen. Why? Because here's the important thing to understand. We were created for relationship. You were not created to just kind of, you know, just fill space, take up some oxygen and everything. No, you were created for relationship with God. That's why God created you. That's why God, amen, formed you and formed man out of the dust of the ground for relationship. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He said, God is faithful who has called you to the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. We were called to fellowship with the Lord. That's my calling. That's why I was created. When I found that out, it, it, it settled so many things in my heart, settled so many things in my life that I was created for relationship. And, and one of the things you have to understand is that we were created by God for fellowship. That's what it is. Well, we were created by God because, you know, uh, he needs to use people and have people do things for him. No, we were created for fellowship. That you could have an incredible relationship with the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe. Amen. You can know him and he knows you. Amen. How many know he already knows you? Amen. So it's about us getting to know him. But God created us for relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. That's one of the most powerful things that you can tell somebody today. God wants to have a relationship with you. How many have just, that changed your life when somebody told you that? How many were blown away by that? What? You mean God? You mean the guy upstairs? You mean 
This whole thing, right? I mean, a relationship? No, he wants to have a relationship with us. Amen. In Acts chapter 17, when, when Paul was preaching, and he began to preach uh, before that leader, the governor of that, that time, and he began to go back in history and talked about how people created temples for God and tabernacles and tents for worship, he said this in, Act, in Acts 17, he said, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Then he quotes from two of their philosophers, and I believe they were Christian. He said, for in him we live and move and have our being and we are his offspring we are God's offspring he's the one that created us somebody believe that amen and if you go back to Genesis you see amen from the very beginning the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul amen how many thank God for life today how many believe that once God breathed that life his breath into us man became a living soul anything after that everything became a living soul amen that's why uh, from conception on, amen, there's oxygen in the womb, amen. You began to breathe, amen, because God breathed breath into man for the first time, amen. God created us. God gave us purpose. Come on. God, yes, wants to use us for his glory. Yes, has a purpose on our lives, which I am strongly uh, 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 believe in. But how many know, more importantly than that, God created us for himself, God created me for himself. God created you for himself. The Bible says that, I mean, God created all things, is above all things. Amen. There's not anything that's created that not is of God. How many to believe that? Amen. That God created everything. God created us for relationship. And one of the things that I've realized as I was reading, because you go back and read Genesis 1 through uh, 3, in those chapters you find out a secret that is all throughout the Bible that really it really depicts the nature of God and the plan of God, and that is this, that God's desire is to be with us. How many know that? God's desire is to be with us. I mean, some, some of us have people and friends that don't want to be with us, but God wants to be with us. And the other thing that's neat is to understand is that God wants us to know him. God just doesn't want to be at this, this, this a distance from us and say, you know what, you just need to worship from a distance and do what I say from a distance. No, he wants us to know him. He wants us to walk close with him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. The Bible records that Adam and Eve have a relationship with God. God would come down in the cool of the day and walk and talk with them. Amen. Enoch was a guy who lived a long time, but the Bible says that he walked with God closely, so much so that God took him one day. There's no tombstone for him. Just boom, God took him one day. He walked close with the Lord. Come on, isn't that awesome? Amen. Noah, the Bible says, Noah was a man who walked with God and found favor in God's sight. Abraham was a man who walked with God and was called a friend of God. Amen. Moses, the Bible says, walked with God and he talked with God face to face. That's God's plan, isn't it? God's plan, amen? One of the greatest things you can tell people is that God wants to have a relationship with you. And one of, one of the things I, I feel that if you just see about the Lord and understand about God, change, radically change your life, is God's love for us. The Bible de declares that this is an everlasting love. This is an eternal love. This isn't a love that if you do well and if you are good, then God will love you. No, this is a love that before you're even born, God loves you. When you're in your mother's womb, God loves you. 
He created you. And when God created Adam and Eve, he loved them with everlasting love, with an eternal love. It's not a love like, okay, if things aren't going well, I'm packing my suitcase like a deadbeat dad and I'm out of here. No, he's an eternal God, eternal love, and a good, good father. Come on. The Bible says that he loves us with an everlasting love. How much does God love us? Psalms 8, David said this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, God, the moon and the stars in which you have set in place. In verse 4 of chapter 8, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you are care for them. I mean, it, it, it blows my mind, David said. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Psalm 40 says, we are ever in God's thoughts. Did you know that? Well, God thinks about me when I do good. No, you're always in God's thoughts. In fact, let's go a little deeper in Psalms 139 verse 17. And it says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, God. How great are the sum of them. I should, if I should count them, they're more than the number of the sand and the sea. When I awake, I'm still with you. Think about it. How many love the beach? How many have ever been on the beach and you're just like, you pick up a, just a handful of sand and you look and it's like, wow, that's a lot of sand. If you just get down to the little grains and then you look to the left and, and there's miles over there and you look to the right and there's miles there and you look out in front of you, just miles and miles and miles of sand in the ocean and then it goes deep. The sand is deep, isn't it? The Bible says as more than the sands of, in all the world in the ocean. That's a lot of sand. God thinks about you. That's how many thoughts God's had to you. And someone put this in the calculation that if you were to do nine foot by 15 foot, so nine foot wide by 15 foot long by 15 inches deep, that'd be one cubic foot of sand, right? And that's 1.8 billion pieces of sand. 1.8 billion bits of sand fit in nine by 15 by 15 inches deep. But David said, this is how many thoughts you have towards me, the sand of the sea. Think about it. That's how many thoughts God thinks about me. I mean, God thinks about us all the time. We're always on his mind. You're always, how many have ever felt that? Lord, are you even thinking about me? I mean, if you, know, if you want to come by my street and bless me every once in a while, that'd be great. But how I many of the Bible says he's always thinking about you? Why? Because he loves us with an everlasting love. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. Amen? We were created for relationship. You know, and sometimes in worship, I said, Lord, you're always thinking about me. I don't always think about you. How many know we fail him, but he never fails us? We may turn from him, but he never turns from us. Come on, somebody. Amen. He loves us with an everlasting love. We could turn our back from the Lord, run away from God as far as we could, but he'll never run away from us. He'll never turn our back on us. Come on. He loves us with an everlasting love. We are his creation. That's the beauty of relationship. It's just so amazing how the Lord loves us so much. So his desire is for, to be with us and for us to know him. And he loves us with an everlasting love. Amen. Some of you said, well, I can't love people more than five minutes. And yet God can continue to love the billions and billions and billions of people that have been on the earth. Amen. Some people get caught up in, oh, I'm so special. God loves me so much better than everybody else. Yes, God loves you. And he also loves seven billion other people on the earth. Amen. Right? But he loves us. The writer of Isaiah and Isaiah had this revelation, amen, of the Lord in Isaiah 43. He said, Lord, and, and the Lord began to speak to him and he had this revelation. And the Lord began to say, I've created you, Isaiah. I have summoned you by name. I called you by name. You are mine. 
Like, that's so cool. God knows my name. Amen. And since you are precious and honored in my sight, because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. In other words, I'll do anything to get you. I'll do anything for your heart. I'll do anything for your life. Amen. Because I love you so much. Everyone, verse 7, who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, who I formed and made, verse 21, this people I formed for myself, they shall show forth my glory. Amen. How many believe that? God formed me for himself. Amen. For him, right? But how many know the human nature wanders from God? Our human nature, the sin nature that we all have, wanders from the love of God. We wander from God. We go our own way. The Bible says in Isaiah, speaking of Jesus, is a, a, a messianic prophecy talking about Jesus. He said in Isaiah 53, 6, he said, all of us, all humanity are like sheep. We have gone our own way, and the Lord laid on Jesus the sin of us all. What was the iniquity of us all? going our own way, worshiping our own gods, forgetting who God is, turning our back on our creator. How many know that's our sin, isn't it? Come on, somebody. How many know sin isn't about passion? Sin is about priorities. When you don't worship the Lord your God, you worship other gods. That's what the Bible says. Don't worship other gods, right? You begin to worship idols. When you lust after people, steal from other people, and lie to people, how many know there's a priority problem there? Amen. But when you get saved, amen, your priorities get back in order. You begin to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love other people better than you love yourself. Amen. Amen. But that's our sin nature, isn't it? We wander from God. We turn from the Lord. That's our nature. We turn our back on his love. We reject his love. It doesn't matter what he did for us and that he created us and gave us life. Amen. We, don't, we want to do our own thing. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21, for all seek their own and not the things that are Jesus Christ. The things that are of God. It's not in our nature to, to, to look after the Lord. It's in our nature to turn back from God and do our own thing and be selfish and prideful. That's in our nature. But how many know when we get baptized, we've been given a new nature. And then the Holy Spirit empowers that nature. Amen. Come on. That we can serve the Lord with gladness. That we can thrive in this relationship. And that we can grow passionately in our love for Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter if your heart wanders from the Lord. It doesn't matter how wicked our culture gets, society gets, how far we get from God. God never strays from his plan. God never strays from his love, does he? It doesn't matter, does it? Does it? You know what God's plan is? I love this because I just felt like, man, this is an easy way for me to sum this up and remember this. I believe it's we are with him and he is with us. We are in him and he is in us. That's God's plan, isn't it? That's the Old Testament and the New Testament combined, isn't it? It's the Old and, uh, Covenant and the uh, New Covenant coming together through, in Jesus Christ. That we are with him and he is with us. We are in him and he is what? In us. Is that right? How many know that? And in Genesis chapter 28, the Bible says in, in, that the Lord spoke to the people of God and he said, Behold, I am with you. I will keep you in all the places wherever you go. I will be, bring you into the land that I promise, for I will not leave you until I've done that which I've spoken over you. Did you know this promise came after the fall? 
This came when sin was introduced. God said, I'm always going to be with you. You're not going to get rid of me. I'm going to follow you around. I'm going to lead you around. Come on, I'm going to be with you. Amen, I'm not going to leave you. Aren't you glad? Amen, that, amen, your testimony, I don't know about your testimony, my testimony was, no matter where I went, how far I thought I'd run from God, he was still with me. He was still there. Now, I'm not saying he approved of what I did, but he was still watching me. He was still loving me. He was still calling me. He was still giving mercy to me, showing me grace, showing me love. Come on, can anybody say Amen. I don't care if you were in the, uh, uh, you know, a, a rich uh, penthouse in New York City or a crack house, amen, in the back alley. God was there. He knew it. He, he watched you. He, he thought about you. He, he kept calling you. He was bringing people by you. He gave you an aunt that wouldn't stop praying for you. He gave you a crazy uncle that would stop pre- preaching the gospel to you. He always loved you. He always cared about you. Even even in the midst of sin, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. While you were still in a a place of rejection to God and separation from God, God made a way that you can be saved. We don't do that as people do we, but God did that for us, didn't he? Amen. And so this morning, I I just want to embed this into your heart that God wants a relationship with us. He wants a daily encounter with us. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said something very interesting about this new covenant of promise, about relationship. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, he said, having these promises from God. He said, we have these promises. We have strong promises, great promises from God. So you got to go back in the chapter 6, and you got to read a little bit back and find out what promises he's talking about. Well, here's the promises to, of God to us who believe. It says, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They will be my people. If they come out from among them and receive me, I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters forever. Amen, the Lord God Almighty. And that's echoed in Leviticus and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and 2 Samuel. Amen, that God's desire is, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you because I created you for relationship. I created you for worship. I created you, amen, to commune with me. In Matthew chapter 28, before Jesus ascended, was crucified and ascended, Amen. He made this promise. He said, or after he said, I am with you always low. I am with you always even to the end of the age. That's amazing, isn't it? How many know the God of the Old Testament said that? Amen. How many know God said that in the New Testament? Because Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And guess what? It's the same God. And he said it in the Old. He never stopped that theme. He never stopped that storyline for humanity. I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Wherever you go, wherever your foot goes, wherever you travel, wherever you find yourself in life, I'm going to be there because I want relationship. And I'm not going to leave you. You may leave me, but I'm still here. Amen. How many can say that was your testimony? You walked away from God, but God never moved. He stayed there the whole time. So guess what? I had to come back to where I used to be. I had to come back to where God was. Amen. I love that. I love that because I I always say, God, you never left. You were always there. Amen. A relationship with God. I I just want to share a couple things about this. A relationship with God is this. It is a divine connection. Is it, you can't, I mean, it's just a divine connection with God. And this is what God calls us to. This is what the Bible says, communion with God. 
It's this communion with God, isn't it? This deep, intimate relationship. This is the definition of devotions with God. Many people know today, well, you get on an app and you just kind of do this devotion and everything. But really, the definition of devotion to God is this divine connection with God. In Exodus chapter 25, as we see Moses and track Moses, we find out that he did lead the children of Israel out of, the, of, of bondage, and they went into the wilderness and wandered in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, you know, God's original plan was that, that, that Moses, he got the call on Mount Sinai, and the original call was, bring the people back here to worship. Bring them back to this hill, right? So we got that call. All right, bring them back here. So their whole, the whole journey is about we got to go back to seeking God, get back to that mountain. And then all, all of a sudden God shows up in the middle of the desert and he said, look, I want you to build a tabernacle and I'm going to show up in this tabernacle. Uh, and, and, and he gave him plans and everything. And he said, my presence is going to be there, right? And so we pick up the story of the tabernacle of Moses. There was the outer court, the inner court, holy of holies, right? Right, And we have all the furniture and all those things and ceremonies. But this is what he said. This is why God said it. He, he told him to do all these things about the tabernacle. You've got to have goat hair and badger skin and do this and put the rings in. How many have ever read that? And, and, and you got kind of lost there. Like, uh, wow. And you kind of skipped through. You didn't tell anybody. You just kind of skipped the story a little bit. Everything. Well, you got to do this. And, you know, one of the things about the Lord and, and that account, in the, uh, especially in the writings of Moses, and, and you find out that, it repeats itself. So the Lord said to Moses, tell my people that I'm there to build a tabernacle. Make it this way. So Moses stood before the people. The Lord said, you got to build my tabernacle. Build it this way. So Joshua repeated it to the people. you got to build my... And you're like, who's not listening to this? Like, I, you know, I got it the first time and these people... Yeah. So, but God wants to emphasize this. And so one of the things we find out in Exodus chapter 25, the whole reason that the Lord built this temple and this tabernacle in the wilderness, he said this in verse 21 about the Holy of Holies that little room where the Ark of the Covenant was. He said, thou shalt put the mercy seat above the Ark, and in the Ark will put the testimony that I will give you, and in verse 22, and there I will meet with you, and I will commune with you from above the mercy seat, and I'm gonna give you commands that you should tell the children of Israel. I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna communicate. I'm, there's this divine connection. I want you to be there because I wanna share something with you. I wanna share a moment with you. I want us to share the God of heaven to come down. The Bible says as the pillar of fire would come down and the glory would fill, and God would show up, and God would speak. Amen. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. I mean, the, the, God would do that. And so he's saying, look, look, I'm, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to commune with you. And one of the beautiful pictures that we see about the cross of Jesus is the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the Holy of Holies in the temple split in two so that now whosoever, amen, believe shall come with boldness into the throne room. Amen, that I have access into, amen, the holy of holies. Come on, amen. Amen, to commune with him, to meet with him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and I'm gonna start talking to you and we're gonna have fellowship together and we're gonna share things together. I'm gonna infuse, I'm gonna pour in, I'm gonna deposit, I'm gonna speak to you. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Every single day God wants an encounter with you every single day there's an encounter with the Lord so this divine connection I need to finish up this divine connection is a couple things number one it's so important to understand it's an interaction with God this is fellowship that's what fellowship means when we fellowship with the Lord interaction with God right and the second thing it means is connection to God so it's not just an interaction with God that's fellowship that's great that's why we do a lot of the things we do in our church for fellowship but then there's this other part there's this connection to God, which is intimacy. 
Amen. Intimacy. But this connection to God, this divine connection, this interaction with God, this fellowship, this encounter that Moses had at the burning bush. I mean, if you want to look at a blueprint for fellowship with God, you need to read this account. Carefully read this account. Think about, I mean, the Lord was there. Moses showed up. God spoke. There was a burning bush. I mean, it was just amazing. God spoke out of it to him. And it, there was worship there. Take off the shoes of your feet. Wow, there's worship. There was all kinds of, how many know that's a blueprint for fellowship? It's a blueprint for our relationship with the Lord, worship towards God. And, and this conversation with God, God manifesting his presence and the, the, God promising his instructions to to Moses. This is a blueprint for fellowship. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Just like Abraham was called a friend of God, he was letting the people of God back then know, the children of Israel, he was letting them know, God wants to call you a friend. That's fellowship. Amen? Worship is we come before the Lord, we give him what he wants, and they understood the sacrificial giving. Uh, you know, if you don't do this, and you'll get leprosy. I mean, you've you got to worship the right way. And then the new covenant, God, through Jesus, the Lord wanted to show, look, I'm coming, and I'm calling you friends. I want that relationship that I had with Abraham. I want you to know that that's for whosoever. That's not just for one man. That's for whosoever will come. That's for whosoever is called. Come on, somebody, amen. And, and that's what he's saying, so I'm a friendship with God. And you know, a friend... When you have a friend, think about this, you involve that person in everything, everywhere. I mean, they're involved and engaged in your life completely, aren't they? Amen. A friend, and that's the way the Lord is. And it's not just a friendship. It's not just this, he's my buddy, but it's a mentor relationship where he leads you. He speaks to you. He gives you instructions. And that's our relationship with the Lord. And the second thing is the connection to God. So it's not just an interaction with God. Amen, but it's a connection to God, and this is intimacy, and I think sometimes this is where it gets a little uncomfortable for us as humans. We, we got to get a hold of this intimacy with God. So many times worship for us is just, you know, four or five songs, we just sing these songs, it's cool, I love that song, that's great, worship, but worship is intended to bring us into this intimate level of relationship with the Lord, Amen. And it gives us that picture of what a, a, a successful and healthy, thriving marriage should be. There's intimacy there. And it's not just the physical act that so much of, of us emphasize and we can only see. God wants to get past that. He wants to get to where a husband and wife are intimate with each other in their whole life. It's not just that one act. Come on, somebody. Not that time. One, it's not that. It's that their whole relationship is deep and intimate. Amen. It, it, and it's not just that, you know, how many know if you've been married for any length of time, there's times that if you're sad about something, that other person is sad too. They feel something's wrong. What's going on, honey? What, what do you, something's not right. Amen. Usually for guys, it's usually after a couple minutes of arguing and maybe some things are thrown, they're like, maybe something's wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then of course women think we, we need to know that automatically when they walk in the house. What, what's wrong? But usually takes a little while, amen. Some hints, right? Some strong hints. But one of the things I love about the intimacy that God has and the connection to God intimately is that God knows you. God knows you in and out. He knows every thought, even before, the Bible says, even before you speak, he knows the words. He knows the thoughts, the intents of the heart. He knows you more than you know yourself. God knows you, but he wants you to know that. The Lord wants you to know that he knows you. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but when you find out that God knows your name, 
that he cares about you. He loves you. Yeah, but I mean, this is group people, humanity. I'm part of humanity. I mean, he loves us all. No. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, no, he loves me. Like, he wants me to know that, that he loves me. And then he wants, he wants me to know him. He wants me to know him. And he calls me to that. And he draws me to that. And that's when the scriptures talk about, you know, come, let us draw near to God. There, that drawing close to God is that intimacy. Some of us are uncomfortable with that. And, and some of us like, well, I keep worship at a minimal. I keep worship. I keep the Lord at a distance because I don't want to get too intimate. Listen, that's what worship does. It brings you into this intimate relationship with the Lord. And I don't care how tough you think you are, how strong you think you are. God has called every single person into an intimate relationship with him. And that looks different for all of us. Come on, that looks different. I know people in worship, they're just lost, man. They're like totally, and I'm just like, this, this is okay. I can do this, right? This feels good for me, right? This is me connecting. But, you know, come on, right? And, and, but, yet, but God wants to bring us into this intimate relationship. Intimacy is what? His presence. It's when God's in the room. It's when he's around. When Jesus came into the room, it's like he was intimate with his disciples. He's intimate with these people. That's what they couldn't get about Jesus, that's couldn't understand. If you call yourself the son of God and you're supposed to be so holy, why are you touching unholy people? Why are you touching unclean people? Like, well, because he wanted to show that God wants an intimate relationship with people, that he gets so close that he touches people. Jesus didn't say, oh, everybody be healed. No, he went to the leper and he touched people, that people that said, you are not supposed to touch. They're disgusting. They're, it's gross. But Jesus reached down and touched the leper, the dead people. The, come on, the sick, the unwanted, the unlovely of society, the dread society, to show us that God wants to touch us and be intimate with us. Amen? Amen. Intimacy is his presence because intimacy is what? Face to face. I mean, no, it's great to text every, somebody every once in a while. And my wife and I find ourselves texting each other in the room. We're in the next room. But I know that's how she's going to get my message. And I guess my wife and I, we're at the age in our lives and our marriage that all we do is spend about 20 minutes shouting, what? From the other room. I mean, no, you get that old. All you do is just stay in the same room. What? What'd you say? What? What? Right? That's, that's where we're at. And I never forget that. My wife, one time she came in, she goes, I'm re- literally right over there, and you're texting me. I was like, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, texts are great, but when you're face-to-face, it's different. Amen? It's, that's what God wants, face-to-face. It's great, you know, that you, know, you grow up and you know the Lord through your parents or through grandparents, and you, you heard about the Lord and you do all these things, and you go to church and hang out with these Christians and everything, but God wants a relationship with you face to face, intimate, just right in, right in your face. I mean, that's what he wants, amen? He just wants that because that's what the word presence means. It doesn't mean this weird mystic cloud and the sensation of, that Jesus is close. No, it, is, it means to appear, to look at, and it means presence. It, that's what presence means. It means face, to look at. Somebody, when they look at you, that's how you know they're, they're really listening to me. How many know that? How many have ever done that? Are you listening to me? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Amen? I'm multitasking. I can do it. But when you're looking face to face, you know somebody's listening. And when the Lord, when we understand, when we pray, when we talk to God, his face, he's looking right at us. We've got his attention. We've got his, come on somebody, we've got his attention. 
We've got his attention. And the Lord wants to, you know, and so, so many of us, how many know the Lord works in us to say, just look my direction. I want your attention. I want your affection. Set your affection on things above and not on the things of the earth and the world. Amen. I want your affection. I want your attention. And I love that about the Lord. And so there's this intimacy with God. It means to draw close, letting God get closer than anyone else in your life. Letting the Lord speak to you in ways that nobody else can talk to you. Letting the Lord move in your life and deal with things that nobody else knows about. Getting the Lord so close. He is so, that's what the Lord wants. It's so close to you. He's so close. Come on. That's when Paul said he's so close to each and whatever was. We can touch out and reach him. That's how close the Lord is to every one of us. All you have to do is what? Call on the name of the Lord. All you've got to speak his name. All you've got to do is think about him. He's right there. He's always there. He's right there. But there's, then all of a sudden, we've got to get there. Come on, I need to move on. And I believe this. When Jesus said this in Matthew 7, the, 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 the crime and the sin that Jesus talked about, the shame that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, he, he said that there's actually going to be people that he's going to have to say, depart from me. I never knew you. God knows my name. He knows everything about everybody. Why would he say, I never knew you? That word there means intimate fellowship. I never had an intimate time with you. There was never intimacy with us. You never let me be Lord of your life. You never really confessed me. You never really obeyed my word. You did not, come on, you, you had lip service, but your heart was way far from me. You weren't even in the same, same room as me. Jesus said that. How many know that's going to be a terrible thing for people to hear? I never knew you. I believe that one of the things that I've seen over my life, and I need to wind this down, that, that healing from sin, healing from shame and guilt happen when we let the Lord get close to us. If you let the Lord get close to you, God begins to heal your heart. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many with bitterness? It just melts. The Bible says in Psalms, amen, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. I believe that's talking about a heart. <laughs> just pride just melts when the presence of the Lord. When, when Peter was with Jesus and Jesus did what he said he was going to do and, and filled the boat with all the fish, there's something that came over Peter and he said, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinner. His heart began to melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Think about it. That's intimacy. He began to see Jesus and let Jesus in in a, in a room that nobody else had been in in his heart before. Amen. How many know that's intimacy? Amen. And so I believe also that his presence changes us. When we're in the presence of the Lord, it changes us. There's a couple examples. One of them was with Moses when he was in the presence of the Lord. He was in prayer and God was giving them the commandments. He came off the mountain. The Bible says his face was glowing so bright that he had to put a veil over his face. The Bible says about Jesus that he went up to pray on this mountain and all of a sudden he was in the presence of God and the Bible says his face was shining like the sun and his garments turned white as snow in an instant because why? He was in the presence of the Lord. Intimacy with his Father. 
Something happens when you're in the presence of the Lord. Something happens. I don't care if it's in your car. I don't care if it's on the road. I don't know where, wherever you are. Amen. And you say, Lord, I draw near to you today. I just open up and begin to thank you and talk to you today. I want you to commune with me and meet with me today. Right here in this, this wherever it is, Lord. How many know there's something that happens when we're in his presence? And God wants to do that every single day in our hearts. Amen. Satisfaction and fulfillment are in the presence of the Lord. Stop running and looking for being satisfied in every other direction except the presence of the Lord. Amen? Some of you lived your life where every Saturday night you went to the same empty well trying to fill up the same, amen, desire, coming away from that thing empty every single time, and you did it over and over, over again, thinking this time will be fulfilled. This time I'll be satisfied. This high will be the best. This one I'm never coming down from, amen. But when you met Jesus, as Jesus told the woman at the well, the water that I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. There's an there's a intimacy that I have with you that you've never had with anyone or anything else. Amen. That when you get in my presence, you are changed. Amen. Amen. And so his presence changes. That's why it's important that we commune with the Lord every day because he changes us. God wants a deep, strong, thriving relationship with us. It brings divine purpose and divine connection and a divine encounter. And God wants that encounter with us every single day. How many can say amen to that? Can we stand on our feet? Amen. You know, the Bible makes it clear, as we talked about today, we are created for relationship. We're called to commune with the Lord. We're invited to encounter God, amen, every single day. I love this scripture. Some of you remember this painting, the famous painting that, how many of you remember that painting of Jesus standing in front of that old wooden door? Amen. And what was the scripture? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door... I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. I want to be with you. I want God to be with me. Come on. I want to be in you and I want you to be in me. That's the Lord's plan. That's his desire, intimate relationship and fellowship with us. And you know, when the Bible makes it clear, this isn't just any relationship. Because some of you have been in a lot of relationships that haven't worked out, aren't, haven't gone too well. This isn't just any old relationship. This is perfect love. This is a perfect relationship. How many know you can, you can uh, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of one of these guys, I, I just listen to podcasts and stuff all the time, and you're like, okay, how to have a great marriage, how to be a successful businessman, how to be a great leader, how to do this, right, and everything. But you know, there's something about the Lord that he has a perfect Love. There's a perfect relationship every single time. It works every time. It's successful every time. Everyone's happy. Everyone's fulfilled in this relationship. It's perfect love. It's like what everybody's looking for. It's what, what you've always been longing for. And you can't find outside Jesus, but he's got perfect love and a perfect relationship. There's perfect fellowship with the Lord. It's awesome. Amen. There's no miscommunication and there's no, you know, unclarity. It's just, he's, there's perfect love, perfect fellowship. First John chapter 1 verse 3 says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is with the Lord. Amen? I love that about the Lord. You see, this whole story and this whole, whole account is really what salvation is all about. This is what it's all about. In the Garden of Eden, they had this perfect relationship with God. Perfect, they knew perfect love. They knew the perfect provision of the Lord. And the Bible says that when sin came in, amen, and they disobeyed the Lord and sin came in, 
broke that fellowship, brought a separation, and they didn't know that perfect fellowship anymore. And the only thing they could do throughout the whole centuries and thousands of years was, if you just do this ceremony, then God will be pleased. It'll cover your sin. It'll, it'll just make God happy with you. And, and, and you can know God through a man or through the law. Uh, you know, you just had to follow Moses and follow this person and that person. And then you could know God through them. But how many know when Jesus came, Amen. when the blood of Jesus was shed on Calvary, Something amazing happened. All of a sudden, it wasn't through ceremonies. It wasn't through the letters. It wasn't through a prophet or a person that you had to know God. Now you could know God for yourself. You could go in and to, the, to the absolute presence of God. You didn't have to have somebody pray for you. You could go right directly to God. Pray for him. He would listen to you and hear you. There was intimate fellowship with the Lord. Amen. And God began to do a new thing in the earth called salvation pouring out his redemptive power and his redemptive love and humanity, amen, like he'd been doing the whole time, but now it was through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made at Calvary. Your sins weren't just covered anymore. They were completely canceled. <laughs> you weren't just whitewashed. You were completely healed, amen. You weren't just temporary, the temporary, you know, uh, uh, kind of pleasing of the Lord. He was he loved you and pleased with your sacrifice. Come on, there's just, there's this absolute uh, fulfillment Amen. In the new covenant. And of course, Paul was writing and he said, this is God's intent. This is my intent, Paul said. He said that none would perish, but all would be saved. That everyone would know this relationship with God. That every human being would understand why they were created. And that they would thrive in this relationship with the Lord. How many know that's still our heart? Amen. That's our heart. We're praying for those that don't know the Lord, those that we love in our communities, our cities. Lord, they don't know you, but I pray they would know perfect love through Jesus Christ. They would come into a perfect relationship with you. They would understand that you've always loved them and how much you want to know them and, and, and have them know you. Come on, how much you want to fill their life. Man, that's salvation, isn't it? Amen. Amen. So this morning, if you don't know the Lord and you're not saved and Maybe you've been running from God. You think, man, I was going to be smart. I was going to run from God. I was going to do my thing. But you found out that God loved you the whole time. Never stopped loving you. Called you the whole time. He kept working things out in your life that you just kept hearing about Christians and coming across people's path that were talking about Jesus. And I just can't get away from his love. I just can't get away from this thing. And then one day you just surrendered your heart and said, Lord, I surrender. I'm coming into this relationship with you that's eternal and everlasting and so fulfilling and loving and satisfying, Lord. I want to know you. And that's why Paul cried out, I want to know him. I don't want to know about Christianity. I don't want to know about all the semantics and all the things about church and everything. That's, not, that's good, but really it's all about I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I really want to come into this, why I was called, why he chose me. I want to step into that. And so today you can do that. Amen. By saying, Lord, I turn from my sin. I turn to you. I believe that you are the son of the living God, that you died for my sins, that you rose again. You're coming back for me. I want to be yours. Amen. We just thank the Lord today for relationship. Father, we just praise you. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for relationship with you, Lord. I don't ever want to get to a place where I take this for granted, where I wake up one day and just take this for granted and think, yeah, God loves me. I'm a lucky person. I'm going to live my life. Lord, I pray that every day, amen, I wake up, Lord, thanking you for brand new mercies. Lord, that I would turn to you in prayer and thank you, Lord, and look to you, my provision and my strength every day, Lord, that I would have this encounter with you because that's your will. 
That's what you want, Lord. That's your desire to have this relationship with me every single day. Amen. Help me, Lord, today. Hallelujah. To be a blessing to some other, some other people that don't know you. To let them know that you want to have a relationship with them. Put the words in my mouth in such a way that they could be blessed, Lord, that just fits their situation, Lord, that I can let them know that you died for them and rose again, that they could have this amazing relationship, that which they were created for in Jesus' name. We just thank you for it. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen.